Hey guys, welcome to Thunderstorm Stories. This is episode one, The Grizzly Man. On October 6, 2003, pilot Willie Fulton of Andrew Airways arrived at Kathlia Lake, which is part of Katmai National Park in Alaska. He was there to pick up a man named Timothy Treadwell and his, and his girlfriend Amy Huguenard. They had just spent a week living with the grizzly bears in this, in this Alaskan National Park. So Willie arrives and he described the day as rainy, foggy, and windy, much like it always is in Alaska this time of year. And so he's supposed to meet Timothy and Amy on this beach, this beachhead which he's now landed. And he doesn't see them or, or any equipment. There's nothing there. And he finds that strange. So he starts yelling their names, yelling their names. Doesn't hear anything, but at this point, he doesn't suspect that anything's wrong. Timothy had been doing this for a long time. This was his 13th summer in the Alaskan wild living amongst grizzlies. But he can see some movement at the top of the hill, and he figures that must be Tim shaking out his tarp or something. It's probably windy. He can't hear me. So Pilot Willie Fulton starts to walk up this hill. There's a... That Timmy, Timothy's campsite's on top of this hill, and he starts to walk up this path to get to the campsite. And he's about three quarters of the way up, right? He's almost there. And he said, to quote him, something just didn't feel right. He was shouting their names, shouting their names, and he's almost at the campsite. They should hear him by now, and he doesn't hear anything back. So he gets a bad feeling, turns around, and goes back down that path. And to quote him again, at a pretty good clip. I mean, he must have been pretty spooked. So he's kind of like trotting back down to his plane. And so he's getting to his plane. And just as, as he's about to get in the plane, he turns around. And he sees coming out of the brush, coming down that same path that he was just on, a grizzly bear, really low to the ground, stalking him. And to quote Willie Fulton again, he described it as, quote, just the meanest looking thing. So Willie gets understandably spooked, hops in his plane and takes off. And so he decides he's going to circle back with his plane and fly over the campsite to see what he can see. So he circles back and flies over the campsite and he sees that same bear. And now it looks like that bear is chewing on what appears to be a human rib cage. And Willie immediately knows that has to be either Tim or Amy. So he decides he's going to circle back and fly really low, try to scare the bear off. And he does this a few times. And he's trying, he flies low and tries to scare the bear off. But the bear doesn't run. And instead, when he flies over the bear, it just makes the bear start eating faster and faster. So Willie Fulton decides he has to get a hold of somebody else, and he calls his company, Andrew Airways, and they in turn get a hold of the Katmai National Park Rangers. And the, the park ranger that got the call initially was this guy named Joel Ellis. So Joel gets a hold of two more rangers, and they meet pilot Willie Fulton at that beachhead. And they decide they're going to go investigate the campsite. So all four of them, all three rangers and Willie, walk up, and they're walking up the path to get to the campsite. And they see that same bear again. It's moving towards them. And they see it. And they start shouting and yelling, trying to scare the bear off. But it doesn't deter it. And it keeps moving towards them. So the rangers don't take any chances. And they unload on this bear with shotguns, pistols, whatever they had. 
and they drop the bear about 12 feet away, which is not that far, right? Immediately, Willie wants to go look this bear in the eyes, and he goes and looks at it, and he knows that's the same bear that chased him off, and he's sure that's the same bear that ate him. So now they're go back, they're heading back to the campsite, and they finally get there. And how Tim had his campsite set up was he had two tents, one for him and his girlfriend to sleep in, and one was just for equipment. Both of these tents had been collapsed and torn. And in front of the main tent was a, a large pile of sticks, grass, and mud. And so that, that park ranger, Joel Ellis, goes up to the pile and moves some of the dirt around. And out pops a human hand. And it has to be either Tim or Amy's. And so they continue their search and they look around and a little bit further away from the campsite, they find Timothy. What was left of him was his head attached to a small piece of his spine. He had what they described as a frozen grimace on his face. Meaning that he, the moment he died, he was in agony. He died, he was in agony up until the very last second that he died. Timothy did not die quickly, and we'll get into that later. A little bit away from his head, they find his right arm with his wristwatch still attached to it. That pile that was in front of the tent turns out to be the remains of his girlfriend, Amy Huguenot. Unlike Timothy, who had a frozen grimace on his face, she was actually said to have a look that she was peacefully asleep, except that her head was pretty much all that was left. The rest of her body had been eaten by the bear. By the way, that bear that they shot, they ended up doing an autopsy on. And yes, it had both Timothy and Amy's remains in it. So that was the bear. So how did we get here? How did we get to the point where we just had two people eaten alive by a grizzly bear in a national park that hadn't had a single bear attack in its 85-year history? So let's start from the beginning. The guy we're talking about is Timothy Treadwell, a.k.a. the Grizzly Man. If you guys have never heard of this guy, I remember he was popular when I was a kid. Now, I was born in 94. He was popular probably from like 2001, 2003 up until his death. You know, I'm sure much more popular after he died as well. But I was like seven, eight, nine years old. And I just remember lumping him in the same category as like a crocodile hunter, Steve Irwin. You know, there's a crocodile hunter and then the Grizzly Man. Obviously not as popular as Steve Irwin, but I just remember lumping him into that category. And he was like on that geo and animal planet. And, you know, that was like the, the popular thing back then. These crazy wildlife guys would get really close to these wild animals. And it was like must watch TV back then. So Timothy was born. His last name was actually Timothy Dexter. And he would change his name to Treadwell a little bit later in his life. But he was born in New York, and apparently he was a pretty normal young man. In high school, he was the captain of a swim team, and he even got a scholarship uh, to college to go swim. But once he got to college, like most college kids, he started drinking a lot. So much so that he got kicked out of school and he lost his scholarship. And from there, his life seemed to go downhill. Um, he became an alcoholic for basically all of his 20s. And got into drug use too. And he ended up overdosing on heroin. And 
In order to help him, one of his friends invited him to come to Alaska to watch grizzly bears as a way to like get away from it all. You know what I mean? Like to, to just hit the reset button. And so Timothy goes out there and immediately falls in love and knows from the moment that he stepped foot in Alaska, that's the, that's the thing he wanted to do the rest of his life. He wanted to spend the rest of his life interacting with and protecting these grizzly bears. And so he does for the next 13 years. He spends every single summer in Alaska with these bears. And I remember like, if you guys have ever seen the Grizzly Man documentary, and if you haven't, I'm hoping this will inspire you to watch it. It's kind of a quirky documentary. I mean, it's it's a little like awkward at some points. I'm not going to lie, but it's a good documentary. And it really gives you a picture of this guy we're talking about, Timothy Treadwell. But he would like, he gets so he would go swimming with these grizzly bears. I mean, swimming within arm's reach of a grizzly bear. He would go up and touch them. He would he would touch cubs on the snout. He would boop them on the snoop. And this gets into the personality of the man we're talking about. There was clearly something wrong with him. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way as me trying to bash him. He's no longer with us. God rest his soul. But there was not, he couldn't form social bonds with humans properly. And so he formed them with these, these bears in the wild. He literally called them his friends. And there was an interview he did one time where the interviewer asked him something like, uh, are you ever afraid when you're out there? Uh, like, do you, do you think these bears would ever kill, try to eat you or kill you? And he, his answer was, oh, they would never hurt me. I mean, he really thought they were his friends and, like, wouldn't hurt him because they're friends. Like, it got to the point of delusion. I mean, I love animals, but this is this is another level of delusion to think that a, a wild grizzly bear is your friend. And there was just something not right with Timothy. And he admits that in the documentary that he has trouble forming these social bonds and even has trouble with women because of it. Um, if you watch the Grizzly Man documentary, you guys will just you'll get a, a really clear picture of how eccentric this man is, but I hope I'm describing him as best I can. I give credit to this guy. He survived 13 summers in Alaska in the wilderness. He really had a genuine concern for these bears and wanted to protect them and protect wildlife. Like I get that. Um, but he, he crossed the boundaries between, you know, people and wild animals. And he, they, they talk about this in the documentary too. He kind of put more, he put the bears more in more danger than he did help them because now he's acclimating these bears to people. You're now increasing the likelihood that someone might shoot the bear out of self-defense because the bear is approaching them or the bears are getting comfortable around people and expect food from them or get aggressive because they, they become accustomed to people. There's a natural fear of humans that now they're losing because Timothy keeps interacting with them. So there is an argument that he did more harm than good. Um, but with that being said, I do give him some credit. And I think you do get to see a side of these bears that they weren't just mindless machines that will eat anything. Timothy spent 13 summers every year interacting with these bears and they never ate them. So the only reason he did get eaten it was almost like a perfect storm of variables and circumstances uh, of how he got eaten. And I'm going to try to boil it down to the three main reasons that I think caused him to get eaten alive the night that he did. There's a lot more reasons than that. 
I'm going to try to boil it down to three. And so let's get back to the story here. On September 29th, 2003, right? This is six days before Timothy gets eaten alive. Willie Fulton, that same pilot, is dropping Timothy and his girlfriend, Amy, off at this Katmai National Park. So Timothy had been with the grizzly bears all summer, and Amy had been with him in the beginning, but had gone home to California for a bit and is just now rejoining Timothy for one last week in the wilderness. And one of the tragic things about all this is Amy had planned to stop taking these excursions to Alaska uh, with Timothy. In Timothy's journal, um, he writes that she was really afraid of bears. And one of the things that's also telling is that in Timothy's journal, apparently Amy had said to him, you're hell-bent on destruction. And boy, it sure seems that way sometimes. So Timothy would camp, as I said earlier, on these bear trails, like literally put his campsite on these heavily trafficked trails that these bears would use in order to maximize his encounters with them, right? And this is reason number one of the three reasons I'm going to lay out that he got eaten alive that night is he took no precautions. He would put his campsite on these bear trails and wouldn't use any kind of protection. So when researchers would go out there to Alaska, Generally, they'd have a portable electric fence that they'd set up around their campsite. That's what I would do. And if they didn't have that, they'd at least have some bear spray. Timothy had stopped carrying bear spray years prior. I mean, he had absolutely no protection besides his, his idea that the bears wouldn't ever harm him because they were friends. And not only did this put his life in jeopardy, the saddest part is his girlfriend got caught up in all this. And this is why Timothy gets a lot of uh, vitriol from people. He put his girlfriend's life at risk because of his carelessness. Like, reckless, abandoned, interacting with these bears. And for him to not even have bear spray, you weren't allowed to have firearms unless you were a national, uh, unless you were a park ranger in this national park. But to not even have bear spray or any kind of protection, I mean, it's it's... It's dereliction of duty as a wildlife researcher and just a boyfriend, right? How do you not have any protection when your girlfriend's with you in this grizzly, the grizzly maze, as you call it? And so Timothy actually didn't even stay this late in the season usually. So in early October in Alaska, it's really starting to get cold and winter is really setting in. So... At this point, most of the bears have gone into hibernation. And the ones that haven't are the ones that are desperate for food because they couldn't compete with the other bears when the, when the salmon run was in its full swing. And now they're desperate to put on as many pounds as they can before they go into hibernation. And this is reason number two he got eaten alive. As he's running into these bears that are now hitting desperation mode and will eat things they wouldn't normally eat in a in a vain attempt to put on as much weight as they possibly can before they go into hibernation. And uh, the reason he stayed so late in the season is because he wanted to find one of his favorite female bears that he hadn't seen yet. And so that's that, that was one of the reasons he stayed so late. 
was just because he wanted to see one of his friends, right? And so fast forward to October 5th. Timothy had a satellite phone with him, and he uses that to call his ex-girlfriend, who's in charge of, like, his company. And he relays to her that he found the female, and him and his girlfriend were in a good mood because they had just found that female, their whole reason for staying so late in the season as they did. And they said they were going to get picked up tomorrow. And so they called Willie Fulton as well, that pilot, confirmed with him that they wanted to be picked up the following morning, and they were going to meet on that beachhead, right? And so, you know, midday, October 5th, he's fine. Everything's okay, it seems. And so now we're getting into the night. And what happened to Timothy and Amy this night of October 5th? And so what I didn't tell you guys earlier was that in their tent, after the, you know, the investigators, the park rangers had just found Timothy and Amy's body, they went through the tents and they found an audio tape that contains six minutes of the bear attack on it. And they don't know how this tape got started. Either Amy started it herself when the attack began, or Timothy had shouted to her to turn on the camera. Regardless, the camera had a lens on, and so all we get is the audio. But it's six minutes of the audio of what happened to them. So let's set the stage here. It's nighttime, it's rainy, it's windy, and they are about to go to sleep. They're in the main tent, and they just opened snacks. And hadn't even eaten them or only eaten like one piece of the snack. We know this because while the snack bags were open, they were almost entirely full. So it's night, it's rainy, the end, the trip is at an end. They're getting picked up tomorrow morning to go home. And they're in their tent and just open up some snacks to eat before they fall asleep. When all of a sudden, Timothy hears a bear entering the campsite. And this was a normal thing, right? He camped on these bear trails, hoping to maximize these kind of encounters. And so Timothy had a habit of, instead of staying in the tent, he would go out and talk to the bear. And he would talk to them in like a, a really, really light and baby tone, like, it's okay, it's okay, you can go back. like. Really, like, you know, as, as if you talk to your dog or something. Really, like, trying to soothe them to go away. And so he gets out of his tent and he goes and confronts the bear. And this is reason number three why he got eaten alive the night that he did. It's because he didn't stay in the tent. Now, you can make an argument that maybe that bear was intent on eating him and Amy that night. And they would have gotten ripped out of that tent regardless. I just don't think they would have died that night had he remained in the tent. Um, but that's not what happened. So he leaves the tent and then this is where the tape starts. And like I said, we don't know why the tape got turned on, but it gets turned on right here. And now I'm going to walk you through the contents of this tape. And by the way, if you've heard an audio of this tape on YouTube, it's not real. Uh, you know, it pisses me off that people would try to profit off of this man and his, his girlfriend's death. But those audio tapes on YouTube are fake. The real audio has never been released, and it, it almost certainly never will be. And trust me, guys, you probably don't want to hear it, right? We all have a natural attraction towards morbid things, but to listen to the sounds of another man being eaten alive is something I don't think you'll ever forget, and uh, it'll probably scar you for life. But there is, there are people that have listened to the tape and described what's on it. 
And so I'm going to walk you through what's on this tape and what happened to Timothy and Amy on this night of October 5th, 2003. So the first thing you hear on the tape is Amy's voice. And she sounds scared and she's asking if it's still out there. That's what it sounds like she's saying. The next voice you hear is Timothy's, and he's screaming, get out of here, yelling at the bear. And then he screams, I'm getting killed out here. And the next sound you hear is the sound of a tent zipper opening and a tent flapping open. And so Amy runs out to confront the bear and Timothy. And she starts screaming, play dead, play dead. And this scared the bear off. And so the bear retreats and goes back into the woods. And we don't know for sure, but they think that Amy approached Timothy at this point. And now they have a short conversation. To It's unclear what they're saying, but I think they're trying to discern whether the bear's still out there or not. And we don't know the extent of the damage, right? Has Tim been bitten yet at this point? He says, I'm being killed out here. And the bear must have really started getting aggressive. But at this point, Amy's scared of all. They're having a little, a little mini conversation. And then the bear comes back and it, it approaches and this, this spooks Amy understandably and she takes off. And so Timothy tries to play dead and then you hear him scream out that playing dead isn't working and he begs for Amy to hit the bear. And guys, picture the scene right here, right? Like these two, this couple was at the end of this trip. They were about to go home in the morning. And now they're in the midst of this crazy bear attack, the likes of which Timothy has never encountered in his 13 years of handling bears. And now he's in the middle of an attack and he's begging his girlfriend to come and hit the bear as he's being attacked. The wind is going, the rain is going, the sound of the rain and the wind hitting the tent. And so the, the audio on this tape is very muffled, but we're able to, to pick out these screams, right? And you can hear the sound of his girlfriend. She must have grabbed a frying pan and you can hear the sound of it hitting the bear on the head and you hear the sound of Tim moaning and again all the sounds of the storm going around I mean what a what a nightmare this must have been and you hear Amy yelling fight back fight back go away go away and so this is all speculation right but they believe at this point, as Amy is in the bear's face, hitting it and yelling at it, that the bear had Timothy's head in its mouth. And the bear lets go of his head and grabs him on the leg and starts to drag him away from the campsite. This is, this is a common bear behavior where they, they try to protect their prey by dragging it away um, so that they can eat it in peace. So as Timothy's being dragged away from this campsite by this bear, Amy starts screaming frantically at the top of her lungs. And you can hear Tim screaming, Amy, get away, go away, run away. Timothy knew at this point that he was, he was going to die that night. He was being dragged away by this thousand pound grizzly bear. And he knew his life was over, but he was trying to protect his girlfriend. But Amy didn't go away and in fact fought, fought hard to try to save her boyfriend, the love of her life, Tim's life. 
And this goes on for six minutes. And during almost all of the six minutes, for about four minutes, you can hear Timothy moaning and screaming. Timothy, let's get this, let's get this straight, guys. Bears don't kill you and then eat you. They eat you. And because of how much blood and whatever you lose as it's as you're being eaten, that's how you die. So Timothy experienced being eaten alive for four minutes. And on the tape, you can hear his voice getting fainter and fainter, his screams getting quieter and quieter as he's being dragged further and further from the camp. And everything in this tape is speculation, right? There's no, there's no video to go along with it. But they think at some point Amy must have given up and gone back to the tent. In the very end of the tape, it's quiet. Timothy has just been dragged off by this bear. And you hear the rain and the wind. And then towards the very end, you hear Amy's screams start to reach a whole new level. The reality of what she's just experienced is starting to set in. Her boyfriend has just been dragged away and killed by a grizzly bear in the middle of the night during a storm and they're supposed to be picked up tomorrow. So now she's in the dead, the dead silent wilderness. All she can hear is the rain and the wind and the reality that her boyfriend just got dragged off and eaten by a grizzly bear. She loses her mind. She starts screaming at the top of her lungs. And then the tape cuts out. And so we don't know what happens after this, right? We know she got eaten by this bear, but we don't know exactly how. There is speculation that her screams actually attracted the bear to come back and finish her off. And that had she remained silent, it's likely that the bear would have left her alone. But in that situation, who can blame her? I mean, what an absolute nightmare she must have experienced. And then think about this. Screaming at the top of her lungs at the reality of the situation that she's in. Her boyfriend has just been dragged and eaten by a grizzly bear in the middle of the night. And then the bear comes back. Comes back for her. I mean, imagine seeing that bear coming back after you know what it's just done to your boyfriend. This must have been an absolute living hell that she, she lived through. And so we don't know what happens here. Um, both of the attempts were collapsed. Did she try to run inside and zipper the tent closed and the bear tore it open and dragged her out? Did they play a cat and mouse game around the tent where she ran to one side of the tent, the bear tried to chase her around and she runs to the other and eventually the bear goes over top of the tent? And did they play the same scenario with the other tent? And the bear goes over top of that one and eventually gets to her. We don't know. You can only imagine the absolute horror of this situation that she was in. What an absolute nightmare in a horror movie that these two experienced that night. And especially tragic because I know Amy was afraid of bears. I mean, she had an actual fear of bears. And imagine the physiological response of her seeing that bear coming back into the campsite to come for her. 
I mean, her heart must have been jumping out of her chest. And what makes this so tragic is just how avoidable it was. I mean, if he had done any one of those three things differently that I outlined, it's likely that him and Amy would have lived. If he had just brought bear spray, if he had just not stayed as late as he did in the season in order to see one of those female bears, right, one of his friends, if he had just not left the tent that night, it's likely that they both would have lived and gone home the next morning. But they didn't, and that's the tragic story of it all, is now they're both dead and there's nothing we can do to take it back. And part of the reason I did this podcast is just to kind of keep both of their their memories alive. I mean, what a tragic story, and even though, you know, the Grizzly Man was popular when I was a kid, most people these days have never heard of him, and even people my age that recognize the name don't really know anything about him. They just, they've heard the name Grizzly Man before. And I hope this sparked a curiosity in you guys for this kind of topic. And I hope you guys enjoyed this first Thunderstorm Stories. I hope I'm doing justice to Timothy and Amy by doing this. In a way, keeping their memories alive. And the only way you learn from tragedies like this is, is to know about them. So this was the, the tragic story of the Grizzly Man. And thank you for tuning in to Thunderstorm Stories.